Make the switch to Fios by Frontier to get our new low price for fast internet with Frontier Single Play. Now for only $39.99 a month before taxes and fees on our fast and reliable 100% fiber optic network. And for a limited time, get a $100 Visa reward card with a two-year agreement. Early termination fee applies, redemption required. Get upload speeds up to 10 times faster than Spectrum, now at an even lower price. Visit GetFrontierCA.com to sign up today for upload speed comparison and complete details. Limited time offer, equipment fees, surcharges, taxes, and other fees are subject to change, subject to availability. It was a new beginning. A chance to build a better future. After the war, I wasn't sure we could learn to trust. Some wanted revenge. But we kept Negan alive. And somehow he escaped. We lost friends we loved. My true love. But even now, six years later, his hopes for the future live on. Our splintered communities must now reunite to face a brutal enemy who walk with the dead. Keep them together and whisper. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Indie Radio presents Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. The show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie TV show right here on IndieRadio.org. And now, here are the hosts of the podcast, Kente, Jen, and Olaf. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. This is episode 108. I am here to talk about the newest episode of uh, The Walking Dead. Now, some of you guys are wondering, how are we talking about this episode being that it doesn't uh, come out until Sunday? Well, um, if you were special, yes, we're, ve- we're very <laughs> special. Um, if you have um, Amazon, Amazon. <laughs> if you have uh, what is it, AMC? Uh, you are you were treated to uh, getting the episode early. It came out today, so if you have not seen uh, episode nine adaptation of The Walking Dead, uh, this will be heavy spoilers. So we're going to be talking about the episode that comes out officially on Sunday. Uh, we're going to be talking about it tonight. So uh, let me uh, I'll reiterate that again. Um, so let me introduce my co-host. I'm gonna start off with the uh, the one and only Olaf. How you doing, Olaf? Oh, man, it's just another great day in the great state of Indiana. It was actually, oh, almost 55 degrees or 50 or 60 degrees today instead of zero. So (laughs) (laughs) been a a fun day, I tell you. Mm -hmm. The last week's been really fun. It goes from 60 to zero. Oh, Jesus. It's been raining here, so, and we in L.A., uh, you know, uh, when it starts raining, it gets crazy for us, so. Uh, believe it or not, I know you guys are like woo, but believe. Oh me, well, so. we got we got rain too, so it was mm-hmm. sprinkling a little bit today and a little bit yesterday. So it goes from snow to rain to snow again to rain again to sleet. Yeah, <laughs> like <you're> going, wow, <laughs> bipolar. Uh, bipolar <laughs> yes. weather. What's up, Dre? I see Dre in the chat room. I want to say what's up to him. 
but um, I'm glad that you're here, Olaf. Uh, also joining us is Jen. Now, it never snows where she's at. It, it never snows in Hawaii, but uh, we've had over a week of nonstop rain. A week. Mm. Like, we're all ready to build an ark. No lie. <laughs> also, also, it's been cold here, too. I mean, I've seen people with, you know, their flip-flop slippers and socks. So, you know it's cold in Hawaii <laughs> when people like, are it, breaking out the socks. Did it, did it get down to, like, 70 or something like that? or? <laughs> Dude, up here it got down to 60 at night. It was 54. Uh-huh. We were, we, like, we were huddling together, like, you know... Uh, ready to throw some furniture on the fire. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> well, I know I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you hear it, Jen, as well. And last but definitely not least, it's the one and only Tori Rush. How you doing, Tori? We on- we can't see your eyes. We only see the bottom of your. There you go. Yeah, the bottom of your face. Uh, how you I'm doing? Like, that's weird. Yeah. I see the side of your face. Like that's it. Really? Eye hole either. Yeah. Oh, that's strange. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, how are you doing? It's been a minute since you've been on the show. What you been up to? Uh... I know. I've been, you know, doing life. That's um, pretty much the gist of it. But uh, I'm back, and I'm happy to be back. The mm. weather here has been bipolar as well. Um, I'm really excited about this season. I'm not as excited as I had been, though. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not as excited as I had been, but this was a good episode. It is. It'll be something good to talk about. Uh, so I'm I'm happy about that because you know how I how I get with when it comes to these when the episodes are not so good. So, but I'm glad that you were here, and you also have a new show that's starting up too. Tell us about it. Yay! It's called The Infectious Geek, and it's going to be on right after this one. And tonight we're going to be talking about serial killers. So yay! It's about all things geeky. My show is so. I you know. hey, I told you not to be talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> hey Olaf, you want to be on it tonight because uh, you know I know you like to talk about serial killers. It's like well, when you are one, it's easy to talk about it. You know, know all exactly. you, you know you you know all this stuff. It's like yeah, it's like <laughs> it's been a minute, so a minute or two since I've been on that one because we used to do that. So yes. So you should. It'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. So let's get into the episode. The episode is episode nine, the mid-season uh, premiere. And once again, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you can see it on Amazon. Um, Amazon. Why well, keep saying Amazon? AMC.com. If you are a subscriber, you can see the episode um, uh, now. So, um, so, but if you haven't seen it, I'm letting you know we're gonna spoil the hell out of it. So, so spoilers, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Okay, so spoiler, the name of the, spoiler. <laughs> the name of the episode is called Adaptation, and um, it's episode nine of uh, this season, and a lot of stuff is going on in this episode. And one thing I like about it, it starts off right where episode eight ended. Um, by the way that that uh, intro and I played the intro, I mean, I normally like to do it, but the way the intro started, I thought they were going to do another time jump, but I was glad that they, they didn't. And they picked up pretty much where the uh, episode eight ended. 
and we got to see the aftermath of I hate saying it, it sounds so blasphemous the aftermath of Jesus's death <laughs> um and uh you know and all the events that happened after that and plus we also saw um we saw a lot with um with uh uh the I was about to say the governor I am so off today uh Negan <laughs> so Negan yeah Negan uh so uh the governor i still got the governor on my mind okay so let's do this me too you're kind of cute let's let's start off let's start off with negan and then let's circle back to the whispers and and jesus's death jesus's death and all of that stuff okay okay let's start about negan so um negan um is let out of uh out of prison um it's unclear how that actually happened and so you know he's happy of course and he runs into little judith and i thought that scene was very very cool um you know the uh back and forth between the two and uh what would uh we'll start off with you jen uh, what did you think about that scene well first of all i i really have i, I love that actress she is so amazing Mm-hmm. there's a lot of presence that this kid definitely brings to it. And you know, it's funny cause you can't help but compare like her and Carl as uh, you know, who's who. And there's something special about the presence that she's got, which is kind of cool, but okay, let's go back to how is what that scene kind of looked like. <clears throat> so I have this, I have this feeling that, that the relationship that the two of them have is something maybe a little bit more than what we're led to sort of believe. Like, I, I don't know what happened during the downtime other than just sort of what we've seen in terms of, uh, obviously she's been talking to him and stuff, but it, it's funny how she is able to put aside things that the adults cannot put aside. She can see things that the adults can't seem to see. It was almost as if she knew he'd be back. It, it was weird. That whole exchange felt very surreal like like almost out of a dream Mm -hmm. uh it it was it was just something very very interesting i i I, i'm not exactly sure how to describe it other than to say between him going to her room taking the compass and then trying to uh climb up the wall and realizing that judith was there that the the conversation that the two of them had in that short exchange felt like uh i don't know some kind of like confirmation that that even she knew that there was nothing out there okay go ahead look i've been out there there's nothing there like does that make sense no no yeah yeah there was something so important about that exchange not because she let him go but almost because she understood was just this, uh, the, okay, you know, if you want to go out there and experience what's out there, okay, the, I know what's out there. And it just, it, it was like such a real moment. I don't know. It, it, I loved it. It was such a great way to start that piece off. Well, and as he said in there, he's like, you, he's, you know me better than anybody else does. And he said, you know, he, you know me better than anybody else. And she was kind of like, like you say, he was like, you know, I could blow you off the wall right now, but yeah, go ahead. I understand for six years you've been sitting in, like you said, she kind of, 
for a for a little kid, she's like, "Yeah, you've been trapped in a little uh, box for six years, and nothing's changed for you." So yeah, go just like knock yourself out. You'll be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she already she already like you said she seemed like she already knew that. Okay, you're going to come back because there's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. Now, so what do you think about it? Um, go ahead, Tori. I was just going to say, like, Judith is uh, wise beyond her years. Like, it's it's like she's she's a 30-year-old woman in a 6-year-old's body. Like, uh, her insight on things is very mature, and I, I really appreciate that in the whole episode. Yeah. Um, now, you are a resident gun expert, uh, Olaf. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that was quite the gun you would probably want to give a, 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 what is she, 6-year-old, 7-year-old, something I- like that? Yeah, it's like uh, I'm. I, it's like I, you know, she actually did fire it at one time during the show, and <laughs> I figured that Python would just knock her over. <laughs> right. That's, that's that's a 357 mag or 357 Python. That's a pretty. That's got a pretty good little kick to it. But um, depending on some of the guns, uh, and probably with, with the Python, uh, it's got a, you know, it's a powerful gun, but it also has some suppression. And things that make it kick less, so uh, yeah, it's a little, it's it's a it's a huge power, it's a big power gun for a little girl, but yeah, it's yeah, she seems to be able to handle it all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I give her credit, but I mean that, like I said, I, that's that probably wouldn't be the gun I would use, and I'm a grown ass man, so uh, you know. Uh, yeah. I'd be giving her a thirty-eight or something like that, not a three fifty-seven. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You, you, I think you got to look at whose child she is, though. I mean, but that's Rick's Rick's gun. Though. Yeah, she's wow. and, and she's Rick's kid, and she's Michonne's protege almost. It's almost like any other gun wouldn't do her justice. Right. Well, that... and the little katana. She, you know, she's got her own little katana and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. um so let's talk about his journey. Um, you know, once he escapes, uh, you know, he goes back to home, his home and he's all excited and he's whistling. And oh, before that, he he has the encounters with the dogs and gets him a leather jacket. <laughs> you know, he's like, the I, I, I kind of like that moment that uh, that iconic mm-hmm. moment is really important because in the comics, Negan's like always sporting some kind of leather. So, right. Yeah. It just happens to go into really a, good. Yeah. It goes into a store and just happens to be a leather jacket his size <laughs> dude, dude can we talk about that scene just for one second sure, because sure. Uh, it broke my heart so I, I okay i i'm not sure if they pulled this out of some other movie i mean i've seen it done before but it still broke my heart clearly somebody who was a survivor had been left all alone and almost as if foreshadowing for the rest of negan's journey through the episode he had arranged a mannequin family to be sitting in that and and then it got to be too much and he clearly just offed himself that was such a set what a commentary i mean in such a short what maybe three or four pans of the camera what an incredible story to tell right there like that could have its own story by itself i I was just i was blown away by that i really was you know what that is awesome that you say that because um and, and it kind of gave some foreshadowing of 
the decision that he was going to go on and make, you know, uh, to come back. Uh, we'll get to that. But um, I like that, too. That was a nice touch. And, and and I have to say, this season has probably a lot more of those touches than it's been in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, so I, I got to give them I got to give them that that uh, they, they've done a good job with those those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, it was a great there was a great scene. And, uh, you know, um, so, OK, so. He had we had that moment, and then he goes back to his home, and uh, you know, and then he starts to to um, look around and whatnot. And, and he whistles. Yeah, he does the little whistle. Oh, you know, yeah. He's like, I can't believe I actually. Sweet home. Yeah. I can't believe I actually felt bad for Negan, but I did. Yeah. I mean, he's a lovable, I don't know. He's a lovable character, regardless. Like he has this charisma about him. Even though he's so evil and he does such evil things, you can't help but like the guy. He's personable. Yeah, there's I some. Think. There is something about him for sure. Tori's dated Negan's. Yeah. <laughs> 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 She's like, I totally know that guy. <laughs> I've dated that guy. <laughs> but no, but yeah, that's that's interesting. But uh, and then I love Big Reg. <laughs> that, oh, was, that was love, hilarious where he, and he uh, was like loyal to the end <laughs> I, I love how he goes out and kills all the rest of the walkers and leaves him alive because he doesn't want to be alone right like I mean that was just <laughs> so that, profound it, then he locks him then he locks him outside you know follows him back <laughs> locks him outside I was like okay and then he's sitting around for a minute and uh, sitting around for a little while like going, yeah Reg this is just not going to work Thump. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. You know, there, there's, a, there's few characters on this show that I can say can hold your attention alone. And he's definitely one of them, you know, where oh, yeah. you can you can put them by you can put him by yourself and you'd be compelled enough to really care about what's going on. Um, well, yeah, I, I think that I think that was demonstrated in this episode where he was basically alone, except for his short exchanges with Judith. Mm -hmm. He was basically alone, and he carried every scene so perfectly. Right, it, it, it's compelling in a way. You know, I, I mean, not to get like too deep into it, but there are some actors on The Walking Dead who are not quite. I don't know. It's not that they're not ready for prime time. They just don't have the the presence, the charisma, that, gravitas. Yeah. Yeah, gravitas. That's a good word. Yeah, gravitas, um, charisma. Yeah, and and uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan does, oh, and yeah. so everything that he does on the screen <laughs> feels important, whether it is or whether it isn't. And that's yeah. that's it's, that's. I mean, that's epic. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things with uh, with uh, with Negan is from the beginning. I don't know why when his character came out, just how he kind of does stuff and his presence and everything. I, I, it's like what runs through my mind is Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> hey. hey, you know, that fifties, like, you know, it's like back in the day, like going, yeah, I'll just knock your head. I'm not worried about it. Just that whole kind of like, uh, I just, it just, I've always thought of that. It was like, when he just kind of reminds me of Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. yeah he has but been, I mean, yeah. it's a good guy. I mean, he's well, like Jen says, he's a very commanding, even though he's a bad guy, mm -hmm. he's a very, you know, commands a lot of presence on the screen. Well, you know, charisma is very important when you are a leader, whether you are a villainous leader or you are a quote unquote good guy leader, you get charisma. People respond to charisma. 
uh, members of the opposite sex uh, do as well as people of the same sex. They will see, follow people who, you know, who have that. See, it, I, I feel like I feel like the whole point of Negan's journey here. It, I, I mean, I wrote about this in a review, right? It's kind of like Negan had something uh, that's like a walkabout, right? He had to go out and experience the fact that the world was actually not what it even was when he was out in it six years ago. Now everything has changed again. And and the, the experience that he had out there was transformative. I mean, the the title of the of the episode could have been transformation. Adaptation might be better, but I mean there were so many transformative moments. But the but but at the end, the I feel like the reason that that journey was important was to remind us that the only things now worth protecting are the communities, that that there isn't anything in between, that the space in between is dead and barren. And and that felt really important. I think it felt important because the communities are not actually working together at this point, not the way that they want to. And my feeling is that that is sort of the cohesive glue that needs to get seen in between, like something needs to remind them that there isn't any thing in between and this was a perfect way for us to see it mm-hmm. uh, extremely well said uh, yeah i i agree with that um so when he comes back and uh, i love the scene too he's in on the motorcycle and then she shot at him <laughs> you know <laughs> i thought that was so cool um so uh so when he comes back you know um and decides that he'll take his sale back <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was you? What was your emotions about it? Uh, we'll start off with you, Tori. What did you think about that? Just the idea that he wanted that out so bad, and he'd rather be in a cell than to be out there. Um, you know, there's this thing that you know some people get institutionalized, right? Mm-hmm. So they've been locked up for so long they don't know how to deal with life without being like in jail. You know, they they they're or prison, you know, they don't know any other way. And it almost to me seemed a little like that. Like he got a little institutionalized. He got used to being safe and secure and he didn't have to worry about anything. I'm sure it was so much less stress, you know, like you don't have to worry about surviving, you know, people bring you your food. You just sit around all day and do nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work for it. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot easier to be a prisoner than it is to be a person. Right. And yeah, then, you got three, three, three squares in a cot, you know. Yes. So, right. yeah, and then you don't, and have, and you don't have to do anything with it for. for it, and so then when yeah. shit uh, breaks out, you're in the, the the prison, so they have to go, you know, fight whatever battle they need to, you know. So, yeah. Right. And if walkers get in or whatever, anybody comes in, you're inside of a cage. They can't get you. Yeah. You know, so I, you're you're protected. My guess is, though, that that's not how Negan's story is going to end. My guess is, if Negan came back, that they'll be forced to reckon with the idea that Negan has to be a part of something. I don't know what. Work release. Something. Because because it wouldn't make any sense to stick him back in jail. It just at this point it, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't know what kind of reckoning needs to be had in order for that to happen, but something else it, I think is is coming along with that. Also, okay. Uh, first of all, I just have to make this observation. Uh the zombie apocalypse is not a good place if you're a helicopter parent. 
because clearly Judith is not being watched very well. So how in God's name did she end up on the road when Negan was coming into Alexandria? I would just like to know that. Is that little kid like standing guard all by herself? That was crazy. Uh, but did, did, didn't anybody else go, wait a minute, what? Is nobody watching you? No, she pretty much runs her own little runs her own little thing. It's kind of like there was like back when you used to was like when, you know back when we were when I was kids. It's like on you got you left the house you you know during the day you left the house and uh, you just had to be back home by dark you know before had to be back home before the streetlights come on so yeah, you could go do whatever you wanted to do. Okay, listen, if the walkers start coming toward us, then everybody's got to come back home. But you know, take your time. Yeah. I don't know. Something seems so crazy about that. But, they, but 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 wait a minute. But wait a minute. But that's not even that's that wasn't even what I was thinking, right? What I was thinking was this kid, this kid was able to shoot a man on a motorcycle coming toward her with zero hesitation. The, I mean, that is some You, you know what t- you know what that tells me? What? You don't want to piss her off. Right? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Dang. So, like, uh, you know, kids adaptation into different environments. You know, like, you know, uh, how quickly they yeah. learn how to do things. Because, you know, in, in Carl's generation, he had to learn things at an older age, and it might have taken him a little longer. But, you know, little babies use iPhones now, and, you know, like, they're they're learning the technology way faster than we ever could so like yep. it kind of shows that that kind of cycle too it's pretty cool yeah i i think that that was a perfect typification of adaptation mm-hmm. there is i mean first of all the whisperers are an adaptation right the what she gets to that but that but but the this idea that there is a, a need to somehow evolve and move on in this world is really big and it's and you know it's funny because i feel like everything that the communities have done up to this point has been to try to rebuild something that existed before and only the uh only through new fresh different ideas are they able to do things conquer things make things happen they're not going to rebuild the world as it was right does that make sense it's like like it really feels like oh okay as this episode was so sticky and so meanderingly strange in its uh, in its pacing but it felt so intentional like okay this is how you figure it out this is what you do do, do you know what i'm right. saying well, yeah, because uh, there's I, I I think I get what you're saying. There's the ad- adaptation is the world isn't like it used to be, and it, you can't go back the way it was. It's going, to, you know, things are going to have to change, and things are you got to work differently to right. survive, to survive nowadays. Even and, even the even water, the even the water Negan drank. Remember, he drank the water, and then he immediately got sick. Yeah, Like even that says something about the changing world and why it's not only no longer safe to be by yourself or to try to figure something out on your own, but why just the things that you once thought were okay and, and, and good, if you will, are no longer okay and good. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Everything is getting infected and, you know, because of all the, all the dead bodies and, decaying bodies and everything so 
groundwater is getting to be, you know, tainted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about the whispers. Um, okay, go ahead. Let's uh, talk about it. <laughs> all right. So, um, <laughs> first of all, um, I know Jen and I think Tori as well. You guys are familiar with the comic book version of them as well, right? So I think we kind of talked about this on the last time we did a show, but um, let's kind of do it briefly. Um, Without saying too much about what happens in the comic book, um, does it to you, the what we've seen so far, jive with what you saw in the comic book as far as the the adaptation? Yeah, we use that word of uh, of those characters. Um, well, I mean, I can speak to, I was super excited the last, uh, in the, the episode that was the last of the season, uh, before the season break, um, because it did feel like they had, were, they were heading in the right direction. They were doing a really good job with it. I, the, the, well, it's too early. I think it's too early to tell specifically, like, I really want to see Ryan Hurst's character. I really want to get sort of that piece in because there's a lot to this. And we got a little taste of it um, with Lydia where, you know, she started to explain just a teeny little fraction of the Whisperer philosophy. I mean, I I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast or not, but the, the whole idea of the Whisperers is a lot more cult-like than any other group that we've seen before. And so there's a whole sort of, uh, there's a whole philosophy that goes behind what they think and what they do. And that should be really interesting to get behind because we haven't seen that so much. It's always sort of might makes right or, um, or, you know, protection because you need your resources. And this is a little bit different. What do you think, Tori? Oh, you're on mute. You're uh, you're mute. You're on mute. 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 Unmute. There we go. It didn't go. <laughs> so there you go. Um, <laughs> so I think it's a little um, it's a little different, but that's good because I would be a little upset if it was just like the comics, like every other thing in the show. Like, uh, they are different, and that's what's cool about them, and like as scary too, like, because they're so efficient, you know, what they do and how they interact with different groups of survivors. Like it's efficient and streamlined. I don't think we've ever seen that before, except maybe with Negan, you know, like his, his, uh, his clan's been pretty organized, but like, uh, like Hilltop, you know, it was, it was a community, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, streamlined the way that they are, you know, does that make any sense? Well, because the communities are all about protecting assets and protecting uh, physical space. They're about they're about protecting their environment. And the Whisperers, as a group, are both in the comics and in The Walking Dead, are not about protecting any one space. They are a philosophy all by themselves about the living and the dead. And and that's why it has almost a kind of it's got a strange spiritual bent to it. Kind of like Wicca, like you know, a little bit like voodoo, kind of like yeah, like yeah, like there's some kind of. It's not. I don't want to say that it's supernatural because it's not. That's not 
That is not where I'm trying to get to. But there is this sort of philosophy behind them, which is definitely very different from anything that we've seen before. Once again, they're not protecting assets. That what they believe is needs to happen in this world is something far different. And it's what puts them at odds with all the communities that are hoarding space and and resources and assets that's what puts them at odd with them that does that make sense i hope that that makes sense no it makes yeah, yeah it makes, it, because you know they're not trying to stay in one spot they blend in and just walk with the walkers so they get that's the you know the dead you know uh coexisting with the living but the dead don't know that they're living because they wear the masks and so they, they and were really how, scary yeah i mean i i feel like they were super scary when they were when, especially at the end when you realize that uh that they were sort of surrounded by them and you knew that they weren't the dead, that they were actually the, the whisperers. They, it was scary because they, of course they look like the dead. Right. And, and, and so they, when you, and they wander, I mean, they meander around and just like they're walk like the dead. And then all of a sudden they stop and pull a knife out and come at you. <laughs> I, I mean, it, that was actually real to me. That was heart stoppingly crazy. I just, I felt like they did such a good job with the tension in well, a couple of those scenes. I mean, it's like for, you know, Daryl's like going, okay, let's just find out who's alive and who's dead. He shoots the first guy in the leg and nothing, no, no reaction. Then he shoots another one and okay. Then he shoots that one. And it's like, going, he's, Oh, yep. Okay. You're alive. And then, yeah, and then he gets eaten. That was hilarious. <laughs> and then the, all of them turn around. Start, <laughs> and, then the, and then, then you can that tell which hilarious. ones. You can tell which ones are live because they're like going, uh oh, I'm not going that away. They kind of start trying to wander off the other way. Like, going, yeah, you're not dead. <laughs> that's but, funny. That's, that's funny. Like going, yeah, but you're you not know, dead. You're going, you're going to be, but you're not dead now. <laughs> I, I think it's great, though, that that's the evolution of this show, right? That, yes. that, uh, that people have evolved to the point where they're, you know, doing that, you know, like, I mean, right. that's pretty disgusting to put a walker mask on, you know, like the idea of, you know, I mean, it's nasty putting yeah, it's the like, guts on them, but to actually take their face and make a mask out of it and, you right. know, yeah, man, that's crazy, man. There's, it, takes a, there's, it takes a special human being to do that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I think, I, yeah. I can see Tori putting on a walker mask. Hey, fun fun fact for you all. It's like the uh it's like when they were when those when the walkers were going across the bridge. Uh I actually drove across that bridge a couple of years ago. That's uh the red oak uh, red oak covered bridge in uh uh Sonoya. Yeah. So I've yeah, actually yeah, we got to too. Yeah, it's like I actually drove across that bridge. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, we were out as outside seeing, looking for different things, and come across that bridge. And so a couple of years ago, I drove across it. <laughs> yeah. So I've been there. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> He's been to the Walking Dead, guys. <laughs> it's hilarious. So uh, all right, so. Um, let's talk about, do you think that, how far was Daryl going to go? 
Oh, I think that was a good cop, bad cop routine from the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel pretty positive that it was, but it was actually really, I mean, if, if they're trying to amp up Daryl's strategic cunning in our mind, that was a really good start. They did a good job. It's, I think it started with the bridge with him, you know, shooting somebody in the leg to like, that was actually really smart when you think about it. But the, but the, the the part about him sort of interrogating Lydia, threatening to drag her out in front of everybody. I, I, honestly, I, I at first I was like, oh my god, that is so out of character for Daryl. Daryl would never do that. And then afterwards, when he was sitting by the window, it sort of all made sense. Like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, I see what they were doing here. And and it, I feel like that was really good. You got to give her credit though, because she, you know, I would have broke. <laughs> you know, but she's but it shows how dedicated she is to that philosophy that she was probably going to be well, she was willing to get killed to protect I, it. I am or, not kidding when yeah. I say that this thing feels like a cult. It's I mean, it, every time that I go back and reread the parts about the whispers, it always to me feels like it's a big like the only thing that you can describe it as is a cult. Like, you know, you would die for your leaders. You would die for the cause. It's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right. You would drink, the, like... Kool -Aid. drink <laughs> the Kool Aid. Drink the Kool Aid. Yes. Drink the Walker's I like... blood. I like the way Daryl handed handled that interrogation because he didn't let that other guy that was down there know what he was doing. He just tore into him also. So, that's, I don't know. Uh, do you think that that's actually the case, or do you think Daryl had yeah, a he chance to talk to him? No, he didn't. That's like I don't know. The it's like the reactions and stuff from the other. It's like from from him, where he didn't know that Daryl was playing him, and then you don't really realize that what he was doing because you're like, like you said, it's kind of out of character for him to be that blunt and that just, you know, it's like I'll drag you out and they want to string you up and I'll hand them to you i said i'll hand them to you and then let them do what they want to with you and start talking you know real mean and vicious and everything telling that other it's like telling the other guy just to shut up and stay out of it and then what do you see they start to kind of talk and what he's doing he's sitting outside the window going uh-huh i i don't know I, I i sort of had the feeling that maybe daryl had talked to henry at, uh -uh. like after jesus's funeral like before he went back into the cell i wouldn't be surprised if we learned that there was some conversation between the two of them i don't yeah, know it just didn't it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked as well you don't think so nope it would not uh -huh. it, the good cop bad cop would not have worked as well because henry wouldn't have been able to he would have cracked you know like oh well hey let me protect you no it's Daryl didn't talk to him about it. He just tore into him. I think that's how it happened. Yeah. So if that's the case, then that makes Daryl even smarter. Right. Then I, then even I put, uh, well, you know, they gave him credit like, for. Well, Michonne made a comment early on, uh, earlier on in that, that she said that you do what you have to do with her. You are the best judge of character that I know. So in other words, he, she knew that Daryl, would do what needed to be done to get the information and eventually they're going to start uh you know he'll just kind of hang around out there and eventually lydia's going to start talking to henry and tell him a little bit more because she feels since she thanked him for kind of trying to get daryl off her back you know so she thinks that he was trying to he was trying to say he was she feels he was trying to save her from being you know killed 
So now they got that jailhouse friendship going thing. Yeah, but I I don't know. I I I don't think she's gonna. I don't think she. Well, obviously she can't be trusted. But I don't think that she's going to uh, give him anything solid. She'll give him a little bit. She'll give him some information and try to get, like, okay, hey, if you get out because, you know, he's only supposed to be in there another day or two or something like that, then they're going to let him out. Uh, if they can strike up a, a friendship or something like that, she might go, like, oh, hey, uh, you know, our, my group is so much better than this and talk up her group and get him to let her out and then go join their group. And then they'll bring their group back and wipe out, try to wipe out everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, in the comics, this, this particular, uh, this particular event, if you will, is a pretty long event. So don't underestimate the whisperers. This, they definitely have some staying power. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it is. You sound like you 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 part of the cult. I I am. Like, I, I drank, you're like don't you I drank, underestimate them. I drank them. the Kool Aid a long time ago. It was cherry. It was delicious. It was. She, Thank she you, drank, Tori. Yeah, she Spoken they drank another true believer. They drank the Kool Aid and the wine coolers. Uh huh. Yep. Listen, uh, you know, <laughs> if the right opportunity comes around and it seems advantageous, the whole point of this episode was called adaptation, right? And so the people who are the whisperers, they are probably the masters of adaptation. Yeah, Hilarious. I mean, they're the most superior that we have seen so, thus far. Yeah. I, right? I mean, something, clearly something pretty big is going on with that group that they are able to, uh, that they're able to be so. Also, you know, the other thing. The other thing that I was thinking about this episode while we're talking about the whispers is, you know, if you're if you are really uh, if you listen kind of selectively to the background, um, you'll notice that the score settles down quite a lot when they are either around or when uh, when it's not just for like dramatic pause. There's actually something that's happening uh, on the back on the back of the score here it's the music changes dramatically when they are around it's it's so it's not just that like they have their own riff or that they have their own chords or anything like that it's something else there's some something is very off key whenever they are around and it, it at first it was like it bothered me without i didn't understand it and then i watched it through a second time and i realized that the notes are actually off key and that's, I feel like that's a big, it's a piece of who they are. They're, they're so off of the norm that even the music and the soundtrack <clears throat> accompanying them is off too. You know what? I got to give you a lot of credit because I didn't catch that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to give you, you a lot you of credit. You don't, you don't get out much, do you? <laughs> I, <didn't>. um, <laughs> I told you I drank the Kool-Aid. What else do you want? I mean, He's man. He's a believer, guys. I, mean, I, I feel like I got to rewatch this thing like 18 times after I talk to you. You know what? I, you know what I need? <laughs> I need you to just sit next to me while I'm watching it. Because I'm like, I didn't catch that at all. Like, Listen. 
Listen, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll be really honest here and I'll tell you that, that it's both a curse and a blessing. I have had, I've lost, like really lost friends that used to come over and hang out and watch shows with me because they say things like this. Uh, it's just a show. I'm not that invested in this. You know, I remember this one time, this has nothing to do with the show, but like this one time uh, my ex and I were watching Monsters, Inc. And like, he's one of those people that noticed a lot little details too. And he was like, well, how does the magic of the doors work? Like, what what's the science behind it? I'm like, it's a kid's movie. Like, <laughs> we don't even know the logistics of the door magic. <laughs> door magic is simple. It's like when they scream, it makes power and it yeah, powers like, the how, door. I don't know how it works. Like, <laughs> it's like when, and but they fig- and then they figured out when you laugh, it's like a hundred times more powerful than screams. Yeah. This is funny. <laughs> not that I've ever, not that I've ever watched it or anything. You know, I wouldn't know. No, no, never. Just, a, <laughs> just, just a lucky guess. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to go back to something that we were talking about before with Negan, <clears throat> because it sort of goes all the way through with, uh, with the communities too, right? Well, although I guess we didn't. Um, you know, we're seeing less. Uh oh, did we lose us? Unless they. Am oh, I here? I'm... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Yes. We're, yep. we're seeing less and less indoor shots and more and more outdoor shots as sort of the 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 world outside becomes more important than the world inside whereas even in the last couple of seasons we spent a lot of time indoors just think about that as you're watching this season and think about how much time they actually spend inside of a, a room it's it's small it's really small and everything else is all outdoors everything else is all in the environment in the world it's it's a I know that this is an actual pivot point that could not have been done by accident. Yeah, you really need to quit drinking the Kool Aid. No, or or <laughs> they think that they're safer. Like you know, as as the as the infected get older, yes. like as the disease progresses, because it does. Yep. These bodies are slower. They're decaying. They can't be as. I'm I'm not. We saw that in the truck with Negan, right? When Negan pulled that thing off of the truck, half of his body is scathed. Yeah, so like, you know, they have to like, you know, decompose, uh, decomposing bodies have to eventually give out, you know? Like, so they're they're getting slower and older. And even if they don't die because of old age, they die because they lose their limb. You know, they stop moving, you know, not dead. Yeah, they lose their muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I think that's uh, a big point that, you know, and we also they feel safer the progresses into at the end of it, you know, because every disease has a lifespan. I don't know if you guys know. Well, that, but... you, I, I think I think you're totally right. I think I think it speaks to the fact that people are feeling by and large safer. And so they're spending more time outside. They're not cooped up inside of little tiny you know, okay, this is my safe space. And and that speaks to how successful they've been. Yep. Yep. And I think they're being a little more brazen, you know? They're just yep. like, well, 
you know, uh, and they're getting comfortable, which can be a downfall because when you're comfortable, you put down your, your, uh, let down your guards. Yeah. Yeah, You let down your guard and you don't think of all the little details anymore. So that might get people caught up in the upcoming episodes. Which, which is why I thought it was so interesting when they talked about, uh, you know, not wanting to get caught on the wrong side of that herd because then they would be out all night. Whereas before, that would have been something to immediately raise the alarm about. You know, they would, everybody would have been like, oh my God, there's a horde coming this way. We've got to figure out what to do. It, it makes you think that they do a lot of thought into really the psychology of where the people are at, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's, I think that's what I was trying to bring up, right? Sort of surreptitiously without saying, oh, you know, hey, check out all the psychology. It is there is definitely there are pivot points happening in The Walking Dead this season that we have not seen before. And I feel like they're sort of under celebrated. I, I, I understand why they should be for the moment, but I see them and they're bright spots in a story that has been for a long time feeling kind of like the walkers eroding, atrophying, not sort of getting something new and fresh into it and they are rather than just like create a brand new story they're it's kind of like they're rejuvenating what has been happening and they've been putting more and more of this stuff into the story and it's noticeable i'm just saying that like i notice it Hmm. well i have to say that uh um this was a really good episode i I, you know, and I, I probably was branded as Mr. Hater and all of that, but I have to say, no, this is a really good episode. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No hate. Why do you, why do you think you're a hater? Because you don't agree with everything? Or no, I mean, I've been, critics? I don't say that I'm a, a hater. I've been oh. called a hater. No. <laughs> and it hurts when people say that. I know. He, he, won't, he won't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. No, but this was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh Yeah, it was. For uh, for first for, you know, first one out of the for the next half of the season, it's like, yeah, that was a good like one. Other premieres either. It didn't have a lot of flash and bang, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, "Oh my gosh, you know, like a lot of action." It was more like um uh, I mean, also one thing that a lot of people don't like about the show though, you know, it's, it's whoa, it's like a soap opera, blah blah, but like you know, I think it was it goes to show how the show the the uh, show is not. Uh, you, you sound underwater now. I'm sorry. I, am I still sounding it? No, you're. That was probably the jet. You probably heard a jet fly over. No, no, you covered your mic. Oh, haha. <laughs> <laughs> mic okay now? You're yeah, good. Now. You're good. I can't hold the bottom of the phone at all. The- <laughs> You know, that's um, Lydia, when they were questioning Lydia, when Daryl was questioning Lydia, um, she says pretty specifically, walls don't make you safe. And um, and she said something like, like, you have to be dead to be safe. And and I, I, I mean, there's a part of me that feels like, I don't know, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't quite get exactly what it is, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. Um, the, like, there's, I feel like there's a reason that they did something different this episode than they normally do, which is at the end of last episode, they ended in the graveyard, right? 
And at the beginning of this episode, they started in the graveyard, almost as if no time had passed, right? So it, it was just kind of a seamless thing where we were. But we still had Michonne's introduction. So there is sort of the passage of time, and yet there isn't the passage of time. And I thought that, that was like a, it was sort of incredibly creative on their part because we know that time has gone by, and yet to us it's going to feel like no time has gone by because here we ended in the graveyard, now we pick it up in the graveyard. Does that mean? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what I'm missing there, but I feel like there's a tangible thread there that I'm just not seeing. So almost like a full circle kind of. Yeah, like a full circle. Like, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of overtones to you ended in the graveyard with somebody's death, and then you start in the graveyard with somebody's death, meaning that like, you know, death ends one cycle, and then death begins another cycle. And so that to me felt very coherent. And I could see that part. But there was something about being in the graveyard to end and to begin that also felt like it was part of that adaptation uh, message. Like, okay, here we are in the graveyard, we can figure out how to adapt even among the dead, even in death, we can figure out how to adapt. Now, whether that message is for <clears throat> us to understand about the walkers, or whether it's for us to understand about the communities, I don't know yet. But it just felt like well, it was something there to acknowledge. You had that one, it's like that one little, uh, it's like a snippet of a scene where you know, they get ready, and when they're leaving the cemetery, Daryl, you know, locks the gate or pushes the bolt over on the gate. And then they're all standing there kind of shaking at the gate and everything else, and you see one of them reach a hand through and just open it. Yeah, that, was, going, that was cool. I'm like, going, oh, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was pretty cool. Walker, who's walking along and then just stops and freezes. Yeah, that was and freaky. Then, and then they're like, and then all of a sudden, you know, the camera pans right, and well, there's two or three more standing there, just standing <clears> there. <throat> then it pans left, and oh, look, there's another one just standing there, staring at him like. Yeah, on. yeah, that's the that was what I was talking about before about how incredibly yes. that was a really well crafted mm. moment, both. <laughs> from a cinematography standpoint and from a visual narrative standpoint, there was something really amazing about that. Mm. Also, um, also the other thing that I think is like so scary about that is that, that, that we, we have, we always understand that the walkers have no real intent that there's just simply driven by, um, the, the, need, the to, need, the need to eat, the need to feed. The need and, to feed yeah. And 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 so for and so for the walkers to suddenly get intent is like it's really unnerving. I mean, how long have I been watching the show? Like a long time, right? Well, I mean, I shouldn't even say it, but I, I mean, I've been watching the show from the beginning, and there's just a certain you you have come to expect a certain behavior out of people that look a certain way, and I'm very carefully choosing my words here because it is definitely one of those serious adaptation pieces where if you expect that everybody who looks a certain way will act a certain way that can work to your advantage when right. you don't act that way and, and how the communities are going to deal with that is kind of interesting well like i said when you're when you're starting to walk through the woods you see a walker coming at you then it just and, it, and 
it just freezes and stares at you. And then you yeah. start turning around and seeing more of them just standing there staring at you. You're like, uh, crap. <laughs> A friend of mine who was uh, who watched the in the last season said, "Oh, don't tell me they're going to have a World War Z Walking Dead crossover." Oh, hilarious! <laughs> I was like, no, I, I don't think the zombies are going to suddenly start running. No, I think you're well, safe. It's like, how, and how about the one one particular spot in the one scene when they were all frozen there? The the one uh, turned out to be a it's like turned out to be a woman because you couldn't wasn't really sure. Pulls out that double barrel shotgun and says, "Aha!" Into the trail. Into the trail, like, oh crap! <laughs> the trail ends here. Yeah, that yeah. was good. That was that was actually really good. It was great that they set them up that way. They set them up by by the arrows, right? Right. That was actually really good. Again, really super cunning. Uh, just showing remarkable amounts of thought into how to do stuff I, I i really liked it i thought it was good also we've totally forgot to mention the fact that rosita the whole eugene and rosita thing <sighs> so, <laughs> i mean it was almost forgettable and yet at the same time oh my god how sad is that jeez she really lowered her standards <laughs> oh good lord oh, oh my god. goodness I'm not even sure what I should say about that. I just I don't, don't know. know what to say either. <laughs> I I mean I I, I really that's like, like a bad drunk night, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so so as much as times change, apparently, no, they really don't. So does that mean now that uh, it's like I don't know? Like I said, it's kind of like the you know walk of shame the next morning. I guess you know. Oh, I I I just don't. Wow. I don't even know. I mean, I love Rosita as a character. I really, I've always loved her. And now I'm just like, uh, girl, what? 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 Really? Really? I'm I'm, I'm not a fan of her character. I don't like her either. She's very one-sided. Like, I don't know. It's it's not the actress. It's just the way they write her is terrible. Yeah, exactly. She's, She's very, uh, like, you know, one-dimensional. Maybe I like her. I'll stand up for her. What is there to like about her? Hey, Bobby. Uh, what is there to like about her? I mean, she. I mean, she's gorgeous. I, yeah. That's it. She's lo- no. She is incredibly <laughs> loyal. She is. She ha- She is one of the most loyal characters on the entire in the entire series. No, other than maybe dog. Rick. <laughs> the dog. Oh my god. No, no dog. Oh, it's like Daryl's critter dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, No, something to. Oh, that. Okay. Oh, that that brings me to the the other point that we overlooked. Not overlooked, but just yeah, didn't detail get to talk about. So there's a scene when Negan closes the door on the walker, and the dogs are chasing him. Right. Yeah, and you hear the dog. Uh, I know where you're going. And clearly, the walker was, you know, munching the dog or something right. like that. Uh, does anybody else think that that felt like, you know, I don't know, odd foreshadowing? Oh, about, maybe a little. It did to me. About dog? Maybe future? Yeah, about, I don't know, about something like that because <clears throat> maybe we're just supposed to know that the walkers definitely still eat animals. Or something like that. It's that like what th- they spent way too much time on that for us not to feel like there's something important there. Mm, man, I I really need to start uh, 
watching uh, very much more closer because I can tell you, you just need to come over to my house. We'll sit down. <laughs> I'll point everything out to you. I have a and notebook by my side. Oh yeah. I, and I you have, gotta have the Kool-Aid, right? Look, I have a walking dead notebook. Okay. <gasps> and I do too. <laughs> yeah. So I can even go back to previous seasons and give you some insight. Wow. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> um, as I said, you know, we were doing the show way early because uh, we had the opportunity to see the episode. Uh, so we won't be on Tuesday, um, but we'll be back in on the 19th for um, for episode two. So I want to uh, start off with you, Tori. How can people get you in social media? And once again, tell tell everybody about your show real quick. Okay, so my show is called The Infectious Geek, and it's about all things geeky. We talk about things like uh, cosplay and conspiracy theories and sex robots and, you know, all sorts of techie fun stuff. Um, tonight's going to be about serial killers, so that's pretty pretty cool. I mean, I have an obsession with them, and I know I'm weird, so I know there's other weirdos out there, so please listen. <laughs> um, you can catch me on Instagram at Rush. Tori, T-O-R-Y, and I always post funny memes. So <laughs> if you want to laugh, come uh, join my Instagram, and um, you can follow me uh, on Facebook, too, Tori Rush. Um, and that's it. I don't really use Twitter anymore. <laughs> oh, and Snapchat, but I don't remember my Snapchat. <laughs> and, and, and we're going we're gonna to open another room for, for it. So um, it's already, we just got to enter it. But uh, to do the serial killer thing. All right. Okay. Uh, um, so, um, Jen, how can we get you on social media? You can get me on social media at Twitter and on Instagram, both at following bliss one. And don't forget to come hang out at my site called moviesmakethemeal.com. Super excited for our new season of Cinema du Fromage, where I'll have tons more recipes to post. All right. And Olaf, how can people get no. you? Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, but as I always say, don't stalk too close because I do get nervous and I do have an itchy trigger finger. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can get me at Kente F on, um, what can you get me? Uh, Kente F on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a little Twitter. out of it. I'm out. Wait, She's here still thinking go. about my Walking Dead book. Wait, here it goes. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> but you can get me on Twitter at Kente F, oh, yeah. and you can go to uh, our website. That's IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, we will be back actually next week at uh, Tuesday because we have an interview on the spotlight uh, with an actor right. named Brendan Mitchell. So, uh, yeah, we will be back for Spotlight, but not uh, walking dead so uh, with all that said you guys have a great rest of your week god bless and stay safe from all the zombies my new 499 sourdough patty melt combo with two types of melty cheeses is the perfect comfort food for the uncomfortable things in life like guys named ronald there's just something about that name try my 499 sourdough patty melt combo only at jack in the box limited time only price and participation may vary small fries and small drink right now at jack in the box try my four dollar fish sandwich combo with 100 wild caught alaska pollock that'll make anyone a fish lover even tom here who's a mermaid uh merman that's what i said try my four dollar fish sandwich combo only at jack in the box limited time only price and participation may vary small fries and small drink